Hi everyone. I am Ricky Sani and welcome to Beyond Butter Burpees. This podcast is to talk about ordinary fitness people with some really extraordinary interesting stories from their lives but in a chill out way. So get your headphones and let's Thank you so much, start. So just to start off a little bit the reason when you said that you have to you should be more coordinated as in fitness yeah. professional yeah so, i think <laughs> i think i'm fairly coordinated but it's 6 hang, hang, hang on yeah hang on we should we should sort of say this for anyone listening is that i was making fun of ricky on messenger because because you know he says 10 a.m. Adelaide time, and I say, "Well, you're Indian, so you'll probably be late, right?" So, and then he said, "No, no, he's there exactly at 10 a.m." And then, yeah. he's, then, then he says he's just spilled coffee everywhere. So, so, so now I'm waiting for the explanation. So, so make it a good one. <laughs> so the explanation is, I don't have a proper studio, okay? And yeah, I, yeah. And I keep moving around my house to find a place where I can record. it noise free mm. and i don't know if you've been to saigon but it's always under construction there is always some i have been i have been to saigon you've been there yeah mm. so as you know it's always under construction so i was like okay man where do i find a nice place to do you know a podcast or a sound free place so i tried to do it in my bathroom and there is a lot of echo and then someone suggested that why don't you try this inside your closet I was like wow that's such a genius <laughs> that's such a great idea so yeah. i so last two podcasts were inside the closet here yeah yeah and then today in the morning i was like mm, i'm craving coffee and mm. usually i just bring a bottle of water mm. something that you just did so i i cleared a bit of space inside the closet and i made my coffee i put the cup inside the closet right genius this is, genius this is this is this is becoming a very technical explanation yeah it, but it is what it is and then yeah. immediately i don't know what happened i said i thought Gra- gravity happened no i was like i don't have place to sit so i said like coffee is there clothes are there i don't have place to sit so as soon as i removed a bunch of a set of clothes it just mm. moved the cup towards one mm. side and then that's how it mm. happened so I thought you were going to say it was involved one of your cats or something. No, my cats are sleeping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They are not early person, early morning only, person. Only humans are stupid enough to be up at this hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or yeah. Out of the humans, I think only the old people and young people. Mm. The middle-aged people like us. Yeah. Yeah. They will go to sleep. Yeah. So what how are you enjoying Saigon? Man? Saigon is okay. I mean now we started opening up. Like last week was uh, kind of a trial run. Last mm. one and a half weeks where government is opening but just by 10% of most of the businesses. Mm. And they want to see how things are, you know, things are responding, people are responding and the response is quite well. Like of course you find some people who are not following the rules. Mm. but majority of people they really want to get back to their business and we've been shut down for almost 5 months close mm. to 5 months and so you have have you not been able to get out of the apartment for 5 months no no oh oh dude that's that's nuts 
And I was in, um, I was caught in the lockdown in Melbourne um, last year. Yeah. Um, and that was, I've forgotten now, it's the best part of three to four months, I think. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't in a very big apartment either, but I could at least get out. You know, we were allowed to go out and and so I could cycle and mm. do stuff like that. And, you know, you, as you'd know, I mean, you can always do exercises on the floor of your living room and stuff. But, but you know, it's very, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm much happier now in Adelaide because in Adelaide we've got nothing. There's no COVID here. So no. because they, they lock the country down, they, they split. Good. In Australia, they split the country up into states and they put walls up between the states. So hardly anyone can get in and out. So there's no COVID in South Australia. It's one of the things that people saying all these things about Australia being locked down and how it's so terrible. Parts of it are, but um, more to the point, it's just that Australians actually love their freedom so much that they don't want to let anyone else in. And mm-hmm. in South Australia, there's, there's just no COVID here. There's zero at the moment. There's zero in Western Australia. There's almost yeah, zero in Queensland too. So that's, you know, it's just New South Wales and Victoria that's breaking out. So we're, we're completely free here for the time being. But mm-hmm. it depends on vaccination levels, though. What are vaccination levels like in Vietnam? Well, last time that I was reading, inside Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, I have no, I mean... I have no clear idea, but inside Ho Chi Minh City, they were saying that most of the people are vaccinated, close to 60-65%. Mm. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, that's a good number. However, mm. last one month, we were under military lockdown. That last means one month. they called military to take over everything here. So, so you've got soldiers on the streets, literally. Yes, legit wow. soldiers on the street. And they were also providing some of the people food, like some districts where people are really poor yeah. and they cannot go out so they would yeah. provide food and everything which was kind of i mean it's nice you know people helping each other and then mm. we had a lot of people from outside i mean westerners who are like no this is a, you know this is a total lockdown this is uh, my civil rights are gone and i'm like what the fuck are you <laughs> yeah about? you leave your civil rights back <laughs> in your home country i'm afraid yeah. doesn't said, quite work that way I said you are a socialist communist country, okay? So when yeah. you decided to come here, read read a guidebook before you go to Vietnam. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was hilarious. They're like, no, it doesn't happen like that in US, and I'm like, bro, you're not in US, <laughs> you're in <laughs> Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a slight there's a slight difference. Get a yeah. grip. Get yeah. A grip. No, I mean, look, it's, it's, if people want to hold that opinion, if people want to be all about, I don't want to take the vaccine, that's great in your country. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, or I've traveled a fair bit and they're all different. <laughs> and you've got to, you, you got to respect the place where you're in. That's just how it goes. True, true. But how is the situation there? Because I saw in the news that people are out on the streets, they were protesting. Bro, that's Yeah, crazy. well... You always get groups. I mean, look, we have this argument in Australia all the time. I mean, what's the correct way to go about it? We're, for mm. a democracy, we're a fairly, um, we're, we're, we, we tend to go along with what the government says to a fair mm. extent. There's, there's um, but there's always a small minority that, that isn't very interested in doing that, and particularly mm. the minorities that, that watches a lot of American news channels and all this kind of thing. Um But, you know, I mean, I haven't, that's only in Melbourne and in Sydney. Mm. 
um, where I'm not at the moment, so I couldn't really gauge the temperature. Um, but, yeah, there's people who want to try and um, who want to protest it. But, you know, it seems like if with Australia, it's just, just too pragmatic to be ideological and protesting about everything. You know, the, the, the plan that the government has figured out, I mean, it seems to work reasonably well. Sydney just recently hit um, 80% total vaccinations. Oh, that's good. Um, so they they're opening up again, and people are out, and they just they you know the the the, the race tracks they just had a big racing meet in Australia because this is sort of the spring season where all the the, the horse racing and stuff starts again. So they had you know ten thousand people or whatever it was out there, and that's nice. So people can see there's a path. What I can see people getting really frustrated at is being in America, mm. where there doesn't seem to be a path. It just goes on and on and on and on. Mm. Um, if there's a plan that you can comprehend, I think people are prepared to go get on board with that. But some of the places in America, it's like just just locked down indefinitely. And, and, and for what? I mean, you've got to get on with your lives at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was one of the approach here when they were locking down everything and they weren't even letting us know, like they weren't informing us what's the next plan. Yeah. What's your timeline? Like six months from now, what, what do you want to do? uh, You know, one year from now, if nothing improves, then how do you want to go along with it? Mm. And uh, recently something happened in the government and they started to be very clear that, okay, this is our timeline and we're going to learn to live with COVID. And, um, you know, it, I mean, you have to settle the minds of people, first of all, before you ask them to do anything. And people will be cooperative. I mean, end of the day, everybody wants to make money. End of the day, everybody wants yeah. to enjoy their freedom, right? Yeah. But it, there has to be a way. You cannot not communicate and then say that, just trust me. That it's particu- just trust me is gone. Yeah, I know. It's particularly tough in a, in a poorer country like Vietnam or like in India. I mean, yeah. in, Australia, in Australia, you can lock people down and the government just goes into debt because they borrow from the banks and they farm out all of this money to people who are in trouble. So we've been spending, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars keeping businesses afloat that would otherwise have gone under. We have that luxury. I, I doubt Vietnam has anything like that. I know India doesn't. Um, so what are people going to do when they can't eat? I mean, you have the army out on the streets um, yeah. giving them food. Are you going to do that for the next six months? I mean, they, it's, it's crazy. They actually dropped their GDP a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm not a financial guy, but uh, whatever that I was <clears throat> reading in the news, I mean, that was dropped. A lot of companies, they kind of threatened the government, but I don't mm. know in what way they said that, listen, we need to, you know, open the factories. We need to be starting, you know, we need to be up with the orders. So if you're not doing this, yeah. we would be moving the factories to some other country. And actually yeah. there are some companies, they already moved back to China because they had their infrastructure in China already. Right. Yeah. And two years back, because of Trump's uh, decision, you know, some of the companies, they yeah. moved out of China. Yeah. And then now they are back in China. And I was talking to Francesca and a couple of my friends. I was like, I don't know, for me, it's just, it just sounds like, a, I don't know, a kind of plot, plot to, from China to kind of destabilize the world a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, my mind thinks in a very peculiar way where I think, man, I mean, that's a long shot, you know, like, 
you destabilize me i'm going to destabilize the world and then they are the f- first economy to be back on their feet right now yeah well they say that they're back on their feet but you can't ever really trust the information that comes out of china this is kind of the problem and we we never know we'll never know exactly how bad covid hit them we'll never know how much covid is still there they yeah. won't talk about it we'll never know i mean the sinovac the vaccine is apparently something like 30% effective from what i've been hearing when it needs to be 80% or something to really, really be worth taking yeah so it hardly works so god knows what's actually going on over there um what what vaccines the, is they taking in vietnam i can't imagine they'd be taking the chinese vaccine given how most vietnamese people feel about china a mix of mix of many vaccine many and of all them. of these are donated Right, okay. So AstraZeneca, Moderna, uh, yeah. maybe not Johnson Johnson, Pfizer is there, Sinovac is there, and then they have Verocell, and they have something that came from Cuba, and then they were getting something from Spain. So yeah. I think now a lot of countries are catching up in making vaccines. Uh, but of course, I mean, Chinese one, there was a lot of resentment towards uh, <laughs> from people. was chinese vaccine so uh, i mean some of my colleagues they were like no i will either stay unvaccinated or i'll take some other vaccination but not chinese yeah and, that doesn't surprise me it's probably a smart choice too from what i've been hearing about it yeah but then people took because uh, some of the news that also came along was that you know the chinese vaccines are stronger uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah chinese chinese news agency says so maybe maybe influence <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean that yeah, they they know a lot of people. Did you see that crazy stuff with the World Health Organization when the vaccine first started and they yeah. were asking the the officials to criticize China and they couldn't do it and he pretended yeah. to lose lose audio on on the podcast and yeah. oops, what's that? I can't hear you. My connection's cutting out, you know. Yeah. This kind yeah. of thing is we've we've woken up. We've woken up to that much to that much at least. Yeah. <laughs> the world is not a different uh, I mean same place now. I think it's a very different place. Mm. Yeah, it all kind of happened in a rush, didn't it? Because I mean particularly with China because it happened with tr- with Trump mm. to begin with. Um which is probably a fair call um because I'm an international relations guy. I studied it mm. a fair bit at you know I've been interested in it my whole life. So, you know, it's it's probably a fair call to be warning people about, you know, China the relationship is not always a very healthy relationship. Mm. And we probably become way too dependent upon them in a whole On bunch China. of different, yeah, of different ways and people are just starting to wake up to it, you know. And then COVID hit and kind of proved this point because, you know, we've got so much dependence on China for so many all the PPE, all of the the medical equipment and stuff it all gets made there no one makes it in their own backyard i think the one interesting thing that's going to come out of this is that a lots of countries are going to start um manufacturing their own vaccines true um because i mean vietnam there's 100 million people in vietnam and you're entirely dependent on the rest of the world india makes an extraordinary amount of vaccine but they've got a population of 1.3 billion people so when they had the outbreak now they need all of their vaccine they can't export anything any yeah. longer and so all the poor yeah. countries are just, just stuck there's nothing you can do 
There's so much vaccine being made, but all the countries that make them need it for their own population. And no politician is going to to, to, to give vaccines overseas yeah. um, when, when, when they still need it in their own hospitals. So every one of these countries uh, really needs to have their own vaccine manufacturing capability from now on. Because this, you can't just assume this will be the last one. There's going to be more True. pandemics and stuff than this. True. You need to be able to jump on it immediately. Yeah, because I think this year we had a bit of a rift at the start of the year with U.S., where uh, our prime minister <clears throat> he gave away a lot of vaccines as mm, a yeah. you know as a uh, friendly call to a lot of smaller countries. Well, India was really proud of this, and I think justifiably so. The fact that yeah. there is uh, still a poor country that makes that has this extraordinary vaccine manufacturing capability. They were winning friends left right and center by giving millions here and millions there and True. and all all of the future plans that they have um, for, for for giving vaccines to all the poor countries it all involves india no one else has the manufacturing capability True. but but then then you had then india had its own second breakout wave. And, yeah second, second wave. wave and then yeah yeah I mean, you you've got you've still got lots of friends and family back in India. How was how was that with them? You've been talking my, to them. My family, they they were kind of okay because they know how to stay safe and indoors and everything. We were ordering hmm. online. My yeah. mother, she had COVID, and she had it. Uh, okay. Yeah, she had it. And how bad? Pretty bad, I would say, because oh. for first six or seven days, she wasn't even going to the hospital. Yeah, and uh, she works with the with. I mean, it's a branch of a government. She doesn't work directly with the government in New Delhi, yeah. but she works as, uh, in the branch of the government. So she has some contacts. She can pull off some contacts, okay? Mm, but she yeah. also has a lot of pride. So she's like, no. You I'm were telling me about your mother. Your mom seems tough. She is. She is. She. I mean, she was in the news a couple of years back. She was beating up a few people who were trying yeah, to that's, snatch that's right. the chain. Yeah. And she also carries a gun, by the way. Mm. So, um, I mean, she has a lot of pride, okay? She, she, so, she's like, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to call someone to arrange a bed in the hospital and stuff. And I'm like, listen, you're really sick. You need to go. And then when she said, okay, we couldn't find beds. Yeah. It was yeah. so crazy. We couldn't <clears throat> find beds. So, I had to call some of my friends. And some of my friends called some of their friends who were in hospitals, who were nurses and doctors. Wow. And fortunately, we found a bed in in one of the hospitals in Delhi. Yeah. Uh, through my father's contact. So, I mean, but you had to call almost everyone that you know. Yeah. Mm. And uh, she was there. I mean, she was really sick. And uh, it came to a point where I was about to uh, leave the job and go back to India. Yeah. Wow. But then uh, things started recovering a little bit. And then my aunt, who was uh, assisting my uh, my mother... She got COVID because of her. Right. Surprisingly, my brother was okay. He was asymptomatic, but uh, but then they were saying that he also needs to get a vaccination done. I think mm. around that time, after two or three months, things started to get slightly better in the bigger cities, where mm. we had you know we had opportunity to get vaccinated. So my father got vaccinated, and my mother she just got vaccinated recently, few weeks back. Right. Okay, 
Well, I mean, the Israeli studies were showing lately that um, having actually had COVID is much, much better protection than the vaccine. <laughs> so Ironic, I think your mum... Eh? Yeah, well, it's not really... I mean, it's millions of years, of, well, billions of years of evolution at work. I mean, you know, it makes it makes sense because the, the vaccines are only giving you a part of the, the thing. So your immune system kind of knows what to do, but not really. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas having the whole... Having the whole disease turns out is is much much better. But you know, if you get vaccinated on top of that, I imagine you'll be like bulletproof. Superpower. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you said your mum carried a gun. Yeah. Right. This I, I've always been unclear on India's gun laws. What? Because I, I lived <laughs> I lived there for I lived there for a year when I was doing a, a PhD that I never ended up finishing on Indian foreign policy and. Yeah. One of the things you see, you see a lot of guns everywhere. But my impression of Indian guns is, you know, when you go you're outside a bank, right, you'll have some pot-bellied guy in some dirty uniform sitting on a plastic stool all day yeah. and he's got, a like a, he's got a shotgun there, yeah. you know. And if some... Double barrel. If some, yeah, exactly. And some young guy came up with like a pistol, you imagine having to load this thing and and then clack it shut and then point it at the guy. If he's if he gets like one foot away from you, then he just you're takes gone. it off you. Exactly, <laughs> you're gone. Yeah. So most of it's just for show. It's so, just to show people actually. But but obviously your mum, if she's carrying something, is not gonna be that. Not gonna be lugging around the 12 gauge no. everywhere. It's a it's a it's a six uh six uh, short rolling revolver. Now does she need a permit for that? Yes. Yes. Okay. How does she get the permit? Uh, from the police. Okay. Because and because because she was involved in like beating up these guys, then they yes. they say yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. And uh, I mean, it has to come with a reason. So if you, okay, either if you're doing legally or illegally, you need to have a very strong reason because illegally, if you're keeping it, and even if you don't shoot anyone. And if they check mm. and if they find out, then you need to kind of justify why you have it. And then yeah. from that point, there might be a way where they can help you to make it legal, right? Mm. Yeah. But uh, the legal way is that you have to show that the reason why you need it and uh, if there is a threat to your life or you're keeping it because you work in a bank or in a, you know, highly, I, I, I mean, high security places. Yeah. So then you can keep it. And I think every month you have to go to your local district police station to kind of show them the bullets and the gun, the condition of <laughs> yeah, the I was I was just wondering if they're going to be counting bullets every time you every time you go. Yeah. That needs to be done. But having said that, in India you can get gun, get an okay working gun as cheap as fifty USD. Fifty or hundred yeah. US dollars. Wow. Okay. But there is no guarantee that it's gonna blow back on your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what are we talking about when you buy one for fifty dollars? You like you meet some guy in a back alley or or something? Yeah, and yeah. it's called in Indian language. It's called katta. Katta. Katta, which is uh -huh. made out of. Uh, it's almost like uh, you know that that thin barrel that you have in the bicycle. Yeah, it's it's made out of that. Okay. Yeah, that so, sounds really safe. That sounds really safe. It doesn't have any reinforcement. Okay, so it's just a barrel. Yeah. And so the, it, it could it it could it could explode in any direction. Any direction, or it it could just explode in your hands, 
Yeah. And the bullets that they're using, it's uh, Second World War or First World War. I think yeah, first, I'm, I'm, pre-First I'm sure. World War kind of bullets, which is like round pellets. That was an amazing thing I remember when I was up at Deradun because at Deradun there's the military academies and things up there and there's yeah. soldiers on guard outside. Soldier, soldiers on guard outside the um, the military academy and they had, I've forgotten the name of the rifle, but it's, um, it's gun experts out there will be able to tell me, but it's the same rifle that British and Australian forces were using in the First World War. Really? And it was, yeah. So, <laughs> Bolt action, and they even got the bayonets and everything. It's like straight out of the Western Front and in France. And so, where, what what is it with you guys? You know, this country that's capable of of sending rockets into polar orbit and all these amazing stuff, yeah. and you, your soldiers are still armed with World War One. <laughs> <World War I. laughs> but Crazy. I think they have a point. You know, the yeah. point is, if you can scare people. Without, mm. you know, investing any extra money, without any financial burden, why not? Yeah, I guess. I guess. So, yeah. they're playing with the fear. Like the one that you said, the I mean, people outside the bank, the security guard with the double barrel mm. gun. Yeah. I remember as a child going to a very local bank in which my father, my grandfather, my mother, everyone has their account, okay? So, when mm, we go yeah. there, we can actually take out money from each other's account. Yeah. And they don't need any verification because they know us. Like, I've been a small baby in that bank. So, and yeah. everyone who's working in that national bank, it's like a government yeah. job. So, they don't, they yeah, can't yeah. lose their job. You know, it's like yeah. a small family within a family of a family. So, um, I mean, the security guard, he even, sometimes he even let me hold the gun. Just sit on the <laughs> chair with the gun like this. And I'm yeah, like, that, that sounds like India, man. That's great. That's so cool. And as a child, yeah. I was like, boy, this is so cool that I'm holding a yeah. big ass gun. Absolutely. India is like, <laughs> India's like that. That India is like the West used to be a long, long time ago. I remember when I was a little kid, yeah. um, we flying in an airplane and you used to be able to go up in the cockpit, you know, and they're flying. I remember and, doing and, that too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and 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 they would. And I remember even the pilot would say, "Look, if you turn the wheel this way, you turn that way." And he actually did a really? slight deviation in the flight, just a little one, just to show, yeah. just to just to show the little kid how it works and everything. And that was that was awesome. And you can't do that any longer. Wasn't you know, that beautiful? The, that's how they yeah. inspired so many people to become pilots. And I mean, that's how yeah. you, you include people in their job, right? Yeah. Were you inspired? Were you inspired to become a security guard by being able to hold the guy's <laughs> hold the guy's gun? I was inspired to hold a gun. Actually, uh-huh. I was like, yeah. "So, what are the legal ways?" And I asked my father, "So, uh, what are the ways that I can get a gun?" He's like, "Join well, could, police, or you can move to Texas. You move to Texas." <laughs> I had no idea about Texas at that point, but you know, my father was like, "Join an army." Because my grandfather, he was in army. Yeah, he was in Second yeah. World War actually. Okay, and what did he do in What did he do in Second World War? He was uh, in British Army. Right. Yeah. Well, British. everyone was in British Army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had no choice, you know. <laughs> yeah, so asking yeah. as if we had choice, join yeah. British or Japanese Army. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there was. Well, some of them actually took the latter choice. They joined the Japanese, but didn't last From very long. From the eastern part, yeah. Yeah, from the eastern yeah. from my mother's side, some of the people they joined the Japanese army. Oh wow, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? So you've got on the mother's side, they were on the the, the closest to the Japanese, and on the father's yeah. side, they 
closest to the British. Yeah. yeah. But have you been to Manipur? I have not been to Manipur. Now that's where your mother's from, yeah. Yeah, that's where my mother is from. And yeah. the reason why I'm saying this because we have Japanese in Manipur and I was surprised, bro. Like yeah. I think in my middle school that's when they started to teach us about Second World War and everything. Yeah. And then I mean they they I mean in the school books, you know, we had this uh, maps of in India and Myanmar how the Japanese occupation was coming closer and they were closer mm. and closer. And then when I went to my mother's hometown, that's where I saw that we had Japanese cemeteries and they have mm. we had Japanese uh, some memorials and stuff. And I'm I was like, "What?" Well, this is for Japanese soldiers who died um, in Manipur in during Manipur. the war, yeah? yeah? Yeah, and some of them who okay. survived, but they then they kind of blend in because... Wow, they never went home. They never went home. Well, you could actually fit in in Manipur, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. Manipuri people don't look very much like um, sort of mainland Indian people. Yeah. They look more yeah. East Asian. They yeah. look Burmese. So yeah. if you're... If you're Japanese and you've been out in the sun a lot, like <laughs> like a lot of people were back then, you know, for a couple of years straight, you, yeah. you'd probably pass as Manipuri more than you would pass as Indian, certainly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's crazy, right? Because the history is so diverse. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, in Australia is the closest we can. We, um, Darwin got bombed, that's way up north, and yeah. Broome got, got bombed. Um, and we were a genuine target for invasion there for a while. Um, Battle, of the so close. Battle of the Coral Sea and the, the big legendary one is the Kokoda track across mm-hmm. um, Papua New Guinea. The Japanese were coming across from the north side of Papua New Guinea to the southern side where Port Moresby is, and if uh-huh. they'd taken that. And then there was also the Battle of Milne Bay, which is out on the far side of New Guinea. And if they'd taken all of those, then they, the Japanese could have just landed up in northern Queensland. Um, if we hadn't had the Americans to defend us, then they just would have walked all the way down the coast. So, you know, wow. it's only, only a small country. Back then, I don't think we were more than 10 million people. So, well, probably less, I think. We had a massive, we had a massive immigration drive after the Second World War, um, where we tried to recruit uh, mostly people from Europe, and we just basically were giving away tickets, like tickets for for ten dollars. They called them ten ten pound poms, the pom, what we call British people. So yeah. a ten pound pom <laughs> is someone who bought a ticket for ten pounds yeah. uh, and came to, and came to Australia to immigrate permanently because we realized we don't have enough people in this country man it's, it's not, with, not, not after the close shave not after the close shave with japan yeah i think around that time you had more kangaroos than people oh we still probably got more kangaroos than people really yeah well there's a lot of kangaroos you go out some places there's, there's a lot you've never been here have you never been there I was actually talking to a friend of mine who would help me to uh, start with the papers of immigration. Yeah. That's a big news. Yeah. Okay. So. Australia. Yeah. So you're thinking of coming? I'm thinking maybe next four or five years. Four or five years. Okay. Um, Yeah. I could warn you that um, it's not, uh, it's not always the easiest thing from what I've heard getting through Australian immigration. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also, you, being a gym instructor and stuff, we've got a lot of gym instructors here. So yeah. it's, a lot of, it's not going to be an easy life, man. I think you yeah. might have a higher a higher standard of living in Vietnam. 
So yeah. Yeah. Ch- check it out, check it out, and be be careful. But but hey, man, I'd love it if you can. Um, be nice. And, and I would I would recommend maybe not Sydney or Melbourne because the property prices are so expensive. Yeah, so expensive. Um, and on a on a more average wage, you're not going to get a lot. But if you come to a place like say Adelaide, where I am, mm-hmm. um, maybe there's not as much work, but the cost of living is a lot less. The, the mm. housing is the housing is not so bad. Plus, it's just really pretty here. Man, is he, you know, I, I'm living in the hills at the moment. And the hills are well. It's all green at the moment because it's spring. Um, the cycle, the cycling is terrific. I can get out for a one and a half hour ride, and I climb like seven or eight hundred meters. Wow! Every, that's really every, good. Every time I go out, um, and you know, there's lots of wine and great food and all kinds of stuff. And you only we're only 20, 25 minutes from the city, driving from the city here. Yeah. So yeah. 25, 25 minutes from the center of Sydney or Melbourne you're still in Sydney or Melbourne. You're surrounded by buildings and everything. Whereas here I'm looking out the window and it's just trees, trees and green things just everywhere. I mean, that's beautiful, bro. That's, mm. that's something that I'm looking forward to. But I'm considering a couple of options. Uh, okay. Australia is there, Canada is there, New Zealand is there. Uh, okay. Yeah. New Zealand's New Zealand's cool. Well, I still haven't actually been to New Zealand, but I've got friends in New Zealand. They say it's a yeah. good place. And I'm also considering Germany. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, somewhere close to the nature, that's, uh, that's, I think, I have realized that that's my call. Uh, okay. I cannot live in the city. I am living right now. That's also funny, but, but that's where the money yeah. is. And probably next four or five years, I would be able to save enough to just get my foot in the door. And okay. then I can hustle from that point, you know? All right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, for the studies, I'm doing a little bit of extra studies. Now I'm learning how to uh, CSCS. It's a certification for strength and conditioning specialist. Right. And it's uh, you do it after graduation. So if this mm. is done, then I can start as a sports uh, conditioning specialist for uh, university and schools. So that okay. Yeah, no, that sounds, yeah, yeah, sounds interesting. It's not my field of expertise, but you'd know better than me. Well, are you still when when COVID lifts? Are you still when you're going to get back into the um, what's the crazy things you were doing the Spartan races? Mm. Yeah. Mm. How long has it been since you did a Spartan race? Almost two years. Oh God! Almost two years. You miss but it? It's okay. It's yeah. all right. I yeah. can manage because I'm doing a lot of trail running. Yeah. And last year, last last year, I did a couple of trail running, and I mean. Not bad. Like, I don't have experience of running trails. And mm. I think I don't like running that much. But now I started developing a kind of affinity towards it where I know that I need to learn so that I can mm. get better in Spartan. So, so what, what does what does trail running involve? How how long is it? How hard is it? Uh, Depends on the elevation, but I usually run just 21 kilometer and less than that. So right. mostly about speed and power. So yeah. a couple of few races, uh, top 10, within top 10, top 5, not a bad <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. Okay. I, yeah. I, do, I, I can't complain. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, doing it, in, doing it in Vietnam too, I mean, the weather there, I can't imagine doing any exercise in Vietnam really. It's hot. I mean, <laughs> 100% humidity. When I was in Saigon, I did a, um, I, I went riding a couple of times. Uh-huh. 
I took like local um, tours, bicycle tours, and I did one just just around Saigon, um, and I did another one out at the Mekong, um, just going along the, the trails. Yeah, going along the trails along the river, and it's great, you know, because it's just this amazing place because everything is like a, it's like a cross between a footpath and a bicycle path, and people mm. only get anywhere by by scooter. And so my my guide was terrific, and we you know we stopped and we chatted with local people and ate local food and did all of that cool stuff. But it's oh my god, it's so hot. It's just the, the humidity. It's just just crazy. Yeah. And we just Australians just aren't used to it because most of the Australians live in the southern right. half of the southern half of the country. Yeah. You get up, Sydney can get humid. Um, Brisbane and upwards is very humid, but eighty percent of the population don't don't really know what humidity is. Yeah, yeah. but up north, I think it's nice. What what you were saying in Saigon, it's humid all year round. Like they mm. just have two seasons, right? Either yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hot or it's rainy, mm. and anything in between is just a blessing if you get something <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah. But in north, it's beautiful. Did you know that it it snows in Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, I heard some Sapa. of the mountains. Yeah, it is a place called uh-huh. Sapa. Yeah, three thousand some hundred feet above. Yeah, yeah, sea level. It's beautiful, bro. Like yeah. we went there last year, and I I had plans to go this year as well for a race, but it was cancelled. Mm. But bro, simply beautiful. Like you see that, and you're like. I I can I don't believe that I'm in Vietnam. Yeah, you should definitely yeah, give imagine. it a try when things get better. Yeah, well, I've got huh, I've got so many frequent fly points at the moment; it's crazy, and I haven't been able to use any of them. So <laughs> Asking, I'm kind okay. of coming to that. Of, yeah, how did you manage to obtain so many frequent flyer points? Well, there's there's a there's a credit card. I don't want to act as a walking advertisement for a credit card company, but there is a credit card company yeah. that gives you points for everything you spend. Okay. So and so when you are a business like I am, a sole trader, because I'm independently published, I'm not published with a major publisher any longer. Okay. Um, because major publishers have all the prestige and none of the money, so I'm making much better money. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I'm making good money, um, but I don't have the prestige of having books on shelves mm-hmm. and things. It's only it's only ebooks um, on Amazon. But when you when you're running all your own expenses and doing all of your own advertising expenses and you put them directly onto a credit card, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. then you you rack up you rack up points very 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 quickly. So I have lots and lots and lots of points. Wow. And I haven't been able to spend them because I have not been traveling because I use all of my points, of course, on flying, which is what everyone uses points <laughs> on, right? So haven't been able to go in. Well, I mean, I, I've been back and forwards between Melbourne and, and Adelaide a couple of times, but yeah. that's it. Last that's two it. years, yeah. And how did that happen to you, like science fiction writing? I've always been writing. I've always written. In school? Uh, well, I've. I, no, I've always read. I've always read a lot of science fiction, and um, I just thought it'd be a cool life, man. Because you, you know, if you could actually make money doing it, then you get to choose your own hours. Um, you get to do your own thing. Um, it turned out to be very, very hard to do because you know, for the first bit, 
like I said, I was traditionally published by big publishers in Australia, but I was never able to get the big publishers in the big markets interested. Um, and as a result, you can never make very much money, really. But then with Amazon, Amazon have a service called Kindle Direct Publishing mm. and where you can self-publish um, mm. and you can put it out on, on e-books and you get to keep most of the money because it, traditionally published, you're lucky if you get 10% off the cover price. Okay. So you sell a book for 10 bucks and uh, you get to keep one, one buck if you're lucky. In America, it's probably less than that. Uh, it's probably about 60 or 70 cents most of the time. Um, That's nothing. Uh, on, mm? That's nothing. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. Yeah. But they make up for it. Some people are selling so many books that they still make, they still end up making lots of money. But for most of us, like 90 to 95% of all of the authors are not making that much and not selling that much. So yeah, the thing with with Amazon is that you can you can sell um you still you sell pretty pretty reasonable numbers of books, but you don't need to sell as many because most of the money is going to you. Um, Amazon take a small amount. Um, and you still get to appeal to a global marketplace. I still have all the global marketplace reach of um of any other author on Amazon. In fact, in eBooks, I sell outsell most of the big names um, in science fiction on Amazon. Um, but then I don't have bookstores, so you know it evens out at the end of the day. Which but one yeah, is not bestseller right now. Oh, the bestsellers! The bestseller is the one I'm writing now. The the Spiral Wars series. Um, that's been doing great, and I I think. It's a bit frustrating because I think if it had more reach, Amazon reach is great. I mean, I do as well as anyone, better than most people in terms of ebooks. But I'd sell more ebooks than even a lot of big names who are like famous. Mm. But I don't, I can't match them for paperbacks, obviously, because they've got huge chains of bookstores around the world. So I hardly sell any paperbacks as a result. I think. I think that if this had been traditionally published, this series, it would have done pretty big things. But for whatever reason, the big publishers, and they just never liked me all that much. Um, I, don't, I don't fit easily into their categories. What stands out? Well, their categories, they like to divide things so that you know that you're buying precisely this genre or precisely because they've divided science fiction up into all of these little sub-genres. There's military science fiction, there's cyberpunk, there's space opera, there's all these little things. And mine's always end up being a bit of a mix of, of everything. Yeah. The idea the idea with Spiral Wars, I've always liked the aesthetic of um hard science fiction hard science fiction is stuff where it's stuff that we know can only happen in real life like hard science yeah so there's no artificial gravity there's there's no teleporters or any of this silly ah. silly silly nonsense but then on the other hand i also love star wars yeah. So and star wars is about melodrama you know it's like yeah. a verdi opera i call it space opera because it it's is. like a so because it's like a soap opera Right. So it's all of these big, you know, galactic battles and fathers fighting their sons and, and emotions and, of, yeah. and yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like a Bollywood melodrama, right? Yeah. All of this kind of. So I haven't I haven't gone anywhere near that extreme, but I like that whole I, I like the whole swashbuckling, daring do kind of stuff as That's well. A bench, and, but, but, 
Yeah, but I also but I also like the hard science fiction stuff. So I thought, why can't we have both? So yeah. Spiral Wars is an attempt to do both. It's an attempt to have a, a something that feels like a hard science fiction world. It feels a lot more realistic mm-hmm. than a lot of things than Star Wars or Star Trek. But it's but it's um, but it also has the really cool stuff. It has the cool melodrama of a Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the idea, and uh, the, the response has been pretty good. People people seem to dig it, so I'm pretty happy with it. I think you were doing it when you were in India, right? No, I hadn't started it. I hadn't started it. You didn't start it. Why that were you in fair... India, by the way? I told you I was doing a PhD. And what happened in that? <laughs> yes, I decided I'd rather be an author because <laughs> I, I had this dream of being able to do both, but okay. it, it, it's it's hard doing both, man. <laughs> PhDs are a lot of work. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of this and that. And, and there's all these rules about how you have to do this and how you have to do that. Every time you want to talk to someone, you need to fill out all these forms. It's like it's like you're conducting experiments on monkeys or something. You know, it's like how 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 are you going to hurt the monkey? I'm not hurting a monkey. I'm I'm talking to a grown adult. He works in a newspaper or a think tank or whatever. You know. Um, but it, they, there's just they put all these bloody rules on PhDs and talking to people, and <laughs> it's just crazy. I did get to meet some cool people though. Yeah, I got to meet. I got to meet the former third in command, I think, of Raw, which is research analysis wing in Raw, India, which is yeah. like in Indian equivalent of the Indian C- equivalent of, of yeah, the yeah. CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got I to meet to him. Join that. Yeah, I'm sure you did, man. Yeah, <laughs> I tried, but I never succeeded. Yeah, like well, you tried. You... I tried. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the application process like? Uh, you have to go through a common application process, which is uh, yeah. a civil services exam. Okay. And once you pass, and then you can, I mean, then you have some options to go through. But I never passed that first thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine they probably have about. You know, ten, fifty thousand people or something applying every year, and they probably so take, many. they probably take about the top sixty or seventy, and that's yeah. it. So, so I'm many. sure you, I'm sure you're in very good company with the people who got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of very good people they rejected. I mean, people were reading books, bro, three or four fold books like this big, I, mm. like with all the previous year exams and their questions and everything. And uh, I don't know why I said I want to do it. And my father, mm. he got me the book. He's like, read this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a very typical Indian father. He's like, doesn't even explain <laughs> what, like, what is the plan? Like, how do I go yeah. through, you know, about it? He's like, just read yeah. this. And I'm like, okay, but where do I start? He's like, just open any page and just start reading. So, okay, I start. <laughs> 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 and then when the day came for exam, I mean, I was... Mm. Trust me, bro. Within you and me, I was really happy just to see my admission card for an exam. For me, mm. I was like, "That's it. I can just yeah. go home and eat a nice lunch and just go back to sleep." Yeah. And I went there, and when I saw the question paper, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like mix of everything: maths, science, and some analytical questions, and then questions about quizzes and 
and the world history and the world geography and general knowledge everything yeah i was like yeah so this is a little bit out of my league so then i was just you know close my eyes and just kept pointing a option b <laughs> option c option b <laughs> yeah well you actually have to study for these things Shiki, you know right maybe maybe if you studied you might have done better right but it's okay it's okay i'm happy the way that the life has you know turned out yeah that 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 would have been a very hard life being a member of raw i think stressful i guess but um, i think the passion is higher than stress yeah they have yeah. certain passion to kind of protect their country which which is good like hats off to these guys you know mm. and from every country who are doing it for their country mm. right? well yeah some countries more than others let's say <laughs> But no, I'd be, I'd be very, very happy to see India become um, a major, a major power. Let's say, I find India is. I mean, I, I don't need to tell you. Indians know this better than anyone, but just how frustrating their home country can be. But it's, yes. it's a very, very, very frust. But the very, very frustrating country. But the reason it's so frustrating is it has so much potential. I mean, there's so many brilliant people there, and there's so many great things about India. But I heard a quote once that said that it takes an enormous amount of time and effort put in by an enormous amount of people to keep India poor. <laughs> because <laughs> why <laughs> to keep India poor? Because it's they work incredibly hard. The Indian government's been working amazingly hard for a very long time to keep its country as poor as possible, and they've succeeded because there's. There's a natural brilliance in the country that if they just left it alone for a while, it does great, right? Yeah. I mean, look at your software industry. The, the, the joke that everyone used to make about the software industry is that the reason it was doing so well is because no one in the Indian government knew what it was. <laughs> and, so, and so they couldn't, they couldn't tax it. They couldn't regulate it. They couldn't, they couldn't do all this stuff to it. And if you just leave it alone, if you just leave Indians alone, it turns out they, they, they make lots of money and create millions of jobs and, you know, yeah. world-leading industries, stuff like that. You know, I sometimes think that if, that if, if, someone, if, if someone just could just remove New Delhi just, just, for, just for a year. Yeah, <laughs> the entire as a centre of power. Yeah, well, just, just remove it. Just, just stop it from functioning. For, for like a year, then the country would do so much better. <laughs> it, would just, it would just run itself. It just ran itself. It'd be massively so, improved. I guess some of the things, I mean, uh, some of the friends, when they ask, you know, if I would like to go back to India and work there, my direct answer is always no. I said, yeah. no, I don't want to work there because there are a lot of things that I don't, I don't understand. Even yeah. that I was born there, I was happy to be, you know, to born there, but I don't understand how it works. I, yeah. even if I understand, then I don't want to agree the way, way that it works. But I agree with you that we have potential. India mm. is so big. Like they have everything, right? From mm. la uh, from sea to desert to the mountains to, you know, mm. tropical rainforests yeah. and everything. Yeah. Just in case if people can unite in that one situation where they think of their country above the religion, caste and everything, which is quite big in India right now. Religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, always has been <clears throat> always and politicians they know how to exploit that they yes. know what yes. makes people tick and yeah. that's the sad part because people know that you know and they know it after the situation after 
you know the shit hits the fan that they're like yeah we probably should should have not done that but <laughs> we will be more careful in future and then in future it happens again and people are out yeah. there on the street chanting against each other and then it hits again and then you're like man you're losing time you're losing opportunity there is yeah. so many things that you can do yeah but as you said there are so many things that can be fixed like indians being on time uh i mean it's <laughs> it's a joke but i am on time most of the time yeah. i'm on time i know that most of the people who work in the successful indian industries no one in the software industry is late i'm sure yeah. um no, it's it's just, it, it just depends you know i mean it's like the difference between the air india and indian airlines the state owned <laughs> which they only just sold which they only just sold back to the tatas right after taking it off them in yeah, the 50s yeah Oh something. you saw that news? Uh, oh of course I did. I follow Indian news. <laughs> um and then but it's like the difference between the government owned airlines and the private sector airlines. I mean the government owned airlines is just just a joke because yep. they employ they employ three times more people and it's impossible to fire them so they can get do anything. Yeah. And 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 there's no customer service and they don't care how late they are and anything like that. There's the private airlines are all world class i flew on private airlines quite a lot when i was in india and they they're fine they're like flying on an australian airline which one was it oh a num- number of them i think i flew on jet a few times back when jet jet got uh, out of business now, right? jet yeah 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 well i flew on spice spice uh, jet uh, and spice indigo jet. yeah i might have flown on indigo once or twice as well yeah but they, they, yeah that that's like flying on an australian airline so it's just a question of getting the organization right yeah in india um and so much of so much of the business has been so protected there um but you know you've got you've got a government there at the moment which is finally building infrastructure at least at yeah. speed like the roads that are coming up there i think when the government first came into power they were building roads the previous congress government was building roads at about 6 kilometers a day which yeah. is nothing you know big this like big national highway yeah. roads and and now they've got it up to like 36 or 38 kilometers a day and the main guy there um gadkari who's the head of the the roads yeah. department yeah. Yeah. he wants he wants to push that up to like 100 kilometers a day so it yeah. they're flying on roads they've got these big expressways going across uttar pradesh and where yeah. places where they've never seen expressways before they've never, yeah. never been on one <laughs> and and they build them in <clears throat> they build them in bloody two years two and a half years it's yeah. crazy it's like it's like chinese speed so you know there's stuff happening man i mean there's there, there is potential man. as you, as you said there is potential just that people need to have that one track mind saying that this is not for us this mm. is above us and this is for the yeah. country let's let's get it done yeah that you need that to, you to need change. to have everyone the thing that they all used to talk about is that when i was there everyone that i talked to spoke about is you need to have everyone agree on development um development need to put all the religion and their stuff me versus you aside and yeah. just say we're going to vote for whoever can promise development Yeah. You know, and this is the thing I get with a lot of the people voting for the BJP because the BJP is controversial in a lot of places and the BJP has a lot of elements to it that yeah. are not very nice and not yeah. very nice yeah. maybe but a lot of people say yeah I know that but it's the only chance we have to develop and we're just so sick of being poor 
you know, just exactly. just 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 tired of being poor. I mean, if this if this party is the one that can help us to develop, then we're going to vote for them. But who is not controversial? Like that's the question. Yeah. When people they tell me BJP is this and that, okay, my family is very close to BJP. Actually, yeah. my grandfather uh, from my mother's side, he was the founder of BJP in Manipur. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went to jail during the emergency of Congress, and he was ah. in jail for a lot of years. So, okay. I mean, in how, family, many, how many years? In, how many years was he in jail? I don't remember, but he was there in jail for a couple of years. Right. Yeah, and the emergency was about two or three years. So it's probably for the length of the emergency. Yeah, for the length of the emergency, and you know the the resentment against Congress it runs in my family somehow. But yeah. we we tend to look above it, and we tend to look that if someone is doing a great job, or maybe they have a bad political party, but there is a good person in that who wants to do something different, right? Mm. But he has to flow with the agenda of the party. We understand mm. all these dynamics. Everybody understands. Yeah. but it came to a point where a lot of my friends they are anti bjp and they are yeah. anti congress and i'm like bro but you need to choose a side or <laughs> make your own party choose a yeah. side or make your own party but this is not going to it's a stalemate you know no one is yeah. moving anywhere nothing is happening so they kept telling me that bjp is shit and they're killing people and then i'm like listen everyone is doing this end of the day who is developing who is giving you development you need to look mm. at that those small petty politics i said i said people will die anyways mm. you know yeah. stupid people will die anyways if you're smart enough you know how to work through that yeah well the the people who've been getting killed lately that i've been seeing is um in west bengal because yeah. west bengal west bengal you've got you know trinamool congress party yeah. um and the bjp has been taking ground off them and um they've been various bjp workers who've been turning up you know strung up from trees and yes, things so i saw that news it's crazy it's, and then it's scary scary politics in india some of these parts and bro these parts they don't like you don't even have internet it's so bad there is no mm. network connection they, you won't yeah. find people for kilometers and kilometers and it's just jungles like if somebody kills someone you won't find that person up until next week i've been to these yeah. places as a child i've been to these places as a teenager i know how it feels like and it's so scary you can't trust anyone yeah. like sometimes they don't even have food so they would just kill an animal which is like a domestic animal yeah and they would salvage that food for many many days so it's yeah. that kind of situation yeah. and when someone is poor you cannot you know i i don't know when you in their position you cannot argue with them about life and food and you know the clarity about things in life no for them it's just survival yeah. so yeah yeah well it's yeah it's very hard it's very hard for people in our position to to the put ourselves in the shoes of people who are you know in poverty it's one of the reasons why it's been so hard to develop india because development sounds nice but if you're poor then development is um development is disruptive it's development it's yeah develop yeah and development means that things are unstable because if you suddenly you've got things being dug up and things being changed that's what development is yeah. and when it's when when everything becomes unstable then you know people saying well this is great in the next couple of years but i'm worried about having enough food tomorrow 
You know, True. my children aren't, aren't going to have enough anything to eat tomorrow. True. So it's very, very hard to get people in that situation to think about the country in five years' time when they just want they just want food tomorrow. You know. Yeah, it it it's it's like the conflict in between the future and immediate future, right? Mm. Yeah, the immediate one is what is in front of you. Mm. But turning, I mean, changing the topic a little bit. But how did you happen to? like choose that gym in delhi i actually i wanted to ask that how did we meet first <laughs> if you remember if well we met in um <clears throat> I, i can't remember which class it was i imagine we were taking a cycling class yeah a spinning yeah. class yeah um yeah and you were just one of the instructors i chose it completely by random because i i had my bike in delhi and i went out cycling on the streets in the early morning a few times <laughs> and this is this is fine if you probably do it but very quickly i but just just the pollution and i would go out and there weren't many people on the streets okay early on in the day but then later on you know by the time i'd finished my ride like an hour later it's just i was you know dodging <laughs> dodging <laughs> trucks scooters, and, and trucks, scooters and models. things going all over the place so i thought nah i think i'd rather do this indoors and also you start to you know the 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 pollution you start to feel it in your lungs and yeah. all this kind of thing so no i just looked and i found the nearest gym with a big um with a big selection of exercise bikes looked like um the one where you were so i started going there yeah and and i think from my side i was kind of surprised i was like boy this guy is really strong you're turning mm-hmm. up some really heavy gears huh in the well, class and then i was like okay that's yeah good. but you yeah but you you've got you've got people in there who aren't accustomed to actual cycling though are they because these are these are city you know i don't want i don't want to be nasty to delhi gym goers but, but you know <laughs> Oh, you've, got pe- you, you, you've got you've got you've got people there. Who, It's okay. Yeah, a little, little bit nice. Little bit. You got people there whose idea of a workout is walking up some stairs. You know, <clears> this this true. This this kind of thing. You know, and that's fine. But but I've you know I've been riding a bike on the road for a long time. I've I've done some reasonably big rides. I haven't done one for a long time, obviously with COVID. But I mean, the last really big ride I did um, probably in Bright. in um in victoria which is where the snowy mountains are mm-hmm. and we like over this is in some of those so it's like four four days and in four days you do like oh god what would it be 6000 no it might be more 8000 meters climbing something really something big wow. um so i've done some of the big stuff and i've been in the alps in italy and and i cycled in um um when i was in india i so this is why i was in dehradun i went up to um masuri and, and then that's why you went there yeah went up to masuri which is a hill station and then um uh then further up than that we went through 9000 feet altitude climbing um that was amazing i'd do that again i'd do that again in a heartbeat but um but yeah when you've done this kind of when you've done this kind of stuff then sitting on an exercise bike is not is not that is not that hard yeah was it exciting it was that was good i mean you know what it's like when you when you get accustomed to a certain level of exercise you need you you become addicted to it 
literally. I mean, you really, you really, the same way that if you're addicted to drugs, you feel really bad if you don't have your drug yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. You feel really bad if you haven't exercised for a couple of days too. It just feels nasty. Sure. So, so this is, you know, this is the habit you get into. And your gym was my was my fix when I and was you were in, there twice a day, right? Huh? No, you were there twice, twice a day. A day. No, or sometimes you were doing two classes back to back. That I remember. Occasionally, I would. Yeah, but that was just because someone suggested that I should try a couple of the other classes. Yeah. You did but some I classes, never... Pallavi. You did some classes. Yeah. It's uh, Manish. You did some classes with Arnab. Yeah. I don't think you but... remember the names. No, I I don't. Oh, I remember Pallavi. <laughs> I remember Pallavi. She's probably about it, though. Yeah, because she was a super chatty one. Yeah, she's very, very Come super. Come to my class. Join my class. Yeah, very super chatty. She's always advertising herself, yeah. always advertising her classes. But yeah, no, you tried fun. his class. You haven't tried my class. Oh, yeah, really? Exactly. You, he's your best friend. That's why you're doing his class. You're not trying my class. <laughs> okay, it's okay. I won't feel bad. But, you know, I would feel yeah. bad that if you didn't join my class, you used to get really angry. Whenever I used to mimic her in front of other people, that if you're best friend of Pallavi, you should better join her class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was um, no, that was fun. In fact, most yeah, no, I I I um I enjoyed those times in in Delhi. It's nice just to be somewhere with air conditioning, though. Yeah, you quickly. <laughs> You quickly realise that during the summer, the real popularity of the malls is 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 not because people are mad on shopping or anything like that. It's just air conditioning, man. Air conditioning, yeah. and you made some good friends there, no? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm still I'm still in contact with Ankush. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and a few other people. Yeah. Yeah. We, no, it's fun. We were in the marriage, like we met in the marriage of Ankush. Yeah, yeah, that was in in Thailand. How that was that was, experience, though? Being the only white guy at an Indian yeah, wedding. Yeah, how was that experience? That was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, no. I, Ele- I, please elaborate a little bit. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's not it's not so it, it's it's not so bad or you know is <laughs> I didn't I didn't get made that much of a fuss over. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. But I did a little. I did a little bit. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a fun experience. I I enjoyed it. I don't know. I discovered that that not all Indians can dance. Yeah, that Bollywood. That that Bollywood is lying to me. Bollywood's been <clears throat> all of the, this time. The truth is out. Yeah, and and there's a lot of Indians who don't like to dance and who don't know how to dance. Um, I may even be talking to one of them. Right now, in <laughs> that's true. I don't like Bollywood songs. No, all these songs no. are fake, bro. They just copied yeah, but- from some people, and then they're like, "Oh, this is my original track. You you should be listening to this song." Pop music is the same everywhere, man. Yeah, I think plastic- the music is not same anymore. Plastic reproduced rubbish. Yeah, it's the same. It works on the fast food principle. The fast food principle is that if you can make 
if you have like really small margins on your food, you get really cheap ingredients and you sell it for just a bit more, a bit of profit, but then you mass produce it on a massive scale and sell it to like everyone, then you still end up making quite a lot of money. And it's so much, it's a business model that gets replicated in music. Um, and so you have all of these people who were addicted to the musical equivalent of um, hamburgers and Coke and ice cream yeah. um, because, because you know, it tastes good, sounds good, you know. Must um, be good. Yeah, but there's nothing there. There's no nutritional value there. It's just, it's all the same. It's all cheap plastic cardboard, you know? Yeah. I think mm. that's that's something that the world needs to kind of wake up to. That mm. it's not always cheap that it's a good thing. Because the thing that you were saying a couple of, you know, minutes back, where uh, people are waking up, the countries are waking up, that uh, shit, we got everything manufactured in China. Mm. Right? Yeah. And the prime reason is the price that is cheaper. But yeah. if, if your business mindset or if the prime mindset of your business is to find cheaper, but it kind of conflicts with the quality, it conflicts with the growth exactly. of the country, it conflicts exactly. with, you know, the giving opportunity to your own people. And, you know, uh, you can't yeah. have cheaper things all the time because cheaper means you're selling yourself to some other country. And yeah. that's exactly what happened, right? These things work by, there's different levels of complexity you've got to look at things at. On the one hand, it's cheaper. But then on the other hand, you end up completely dependent upon a country that has, um, you know, that has different values to yours, which has, which, you know, if some kind of a crisis hits like COVID, then you're going to be completely stuck. I mean, exactly. What they own all of your stuff, all the stuff that you thought was yours that you could <laughs> get because you paid for it. Turns out you can't get it because suddenly it's theirs and they're not going to let you have it. And it's like people freaking out saying, oh, my God, where is all of our stuff? We thought we made this locally. But no, no, it's all. <laughs> so so there's, there's costs. So there's a hidden costs, like you say, yeah. to, all of, to all of this stuff. And those costs, costs can be recovered, you know. Over a period mm. of time, you can still recover it. If you spend a bit of money to develop all these industries in your own home, instead of thinking cheaper, of course, cheaper is good, but mm. that cheaper shouldn't be the priority. The priority is to be self-dependent and yeah. slightly out-dependent on different countries so that you the have a good is, bilateral relation. That's it. Yeah. The problem is the incentive mechanisms for business so often are just... Um, are just short term. Everything's incredibly short term. And so, you know, they're always worried about next week or next month rather than they are about thinking in five years' time. But if you're going to be investing in a country like China, then really your entire game plan, I mean, you're there for 10 or 20 mm -hmm. years a lot of the time. And so, you know, people are people act surprised when 10 or 20 years comes around and they find themselves <laughs> they find themselves in some kind of massive trouble because, I mean, the way the Chinese government's going at the moment, you don't know that they won't just nationalise your business in another couple of years and it will all just disappear. So, yeah. you know, people got to think about these things. And they're keeping all the technologies, mm. all the technologies. And it sounds so futuristic, technology, but a mm. technology to uh, manufacture a simple safety pin if you mm. don't do it right, it's a, sh you know, it's a shit product, something mm. as small as a safety pin, or let's say yeah. a pen, a writing pen, you know, 
if you don't yeah. have the right technology you can't write with that pen it, the yeah. ink is going to spill out or the plastic is going to be bad so all these technology evolve when you have to when you keep trying when you keep make, making mistakes and let's say china is 50 steps ahead of you so you don't have the technology to even be on the first step right now yeah. and that's exactly what happened 3 years back in india where uh, uh narendra modi he said let's do make in india actually that was 5 years back that we will start bharat make in india and everything moment yeah and people didn't even listen to his whole plan that his plan is next 10 years we will be trying to be head to head with china right yeah. a lot of people in india especially the politicians from bjp and who wanted to show support for narendra modi bro they started damaging all the chinese products mm they yeah. said no, our, no our business with china yeah and they shut down the shops and they just started on the street demonstration breaking chinese uh, fridge tv and everything they're like we will make our own things in india and then yeah. they turn their head they're like who is manufacturing it no one they're like <laughs> oh shit so i just broke yeah. my own television exactly But- yeah <laughs> No, it's crazy. Hey, we started talking about music for a second there. What yeah. what I remember tunes were always a big part of your thing because you're always looking for tunes to do your 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 exercises to for your classes. Yeah. The music. To, yeah, who are you into now? Uh I'm listening to this band called Portugal the Man. Have you heard of yeah. them? No, I have not. Yeah. Okay, I'll send you the link after this. You should okay. listen to their music. It's very raw. It's very simple. Well, I'm a I'm a really I'm a rock and roll. I'm a rock and roll guy. Yeah, they are so. rock and roll. Okay. The cool. name is kind of weird, Portugal the Man, but Yeah. Let me just turn off the AC. It's getting really cool. So, they are quite good. Well, and if you look uh, over my if you look over my shoulder here. Yeah, I that, noticed it. I wanted to ask. You have a drum set. That's a drum kit, man. So you play drums? I started recently. It's one of the reasons I got out of Melbourne because it's like you can't find a big enough place in Melbourne um to actually have a real drum kit. Yeah. Um you, you can have an electric one, I guess, but I don't want to have a, an electric one. Also, <laughs> because if you ever join a band, you're going to need two drum kits because you're going to need an acoustic one. Yeah. um for playing in the bands but an electric one for practicing and so it seems much smarter just to have the one acoustic kit but yeah I've been playing a couple of years now um it's great I I like it I'm I used to play guitar when I was young when I was a teenager yeah um and I was never I liked it but I was never all that good at it but I think I might I think I've got some natural ability with drums that I didn't have with guitar. So really? you know what it's like when you've actually discovered you've got a bit of talent for something it's um so much more fun to uh, that for, to do anything if you're actually It's a little bit a, easier, right? You're like a bit good okay, at it. Yeah. People are struggling yeah. but I think I can do it and you keep a kind of shush about it because oh but it, it's also just kind of it's fun to get into something that's so technically complex. The the amount of technical complexity in drumming is ridiculous when you get into it and you have to just you build your skills one little bit at a time you build this skill which then allows you to do that skill which then allows you to just start doing this other thing and it starts to all come together and it's it's fascinating it's also fascinating 
you end up at war with your own body because the coordination involved is is amazing because you're trying to each each limb is doing something different right because yeah. your right hand left hand right foot left foot has each got a different thing to do <laughs> and uh, it, it's impossible when you start it's just i don't understand how people can do this you tell your right hand to do something <laughs> And your right foot does it instead, and you you stop. And you, what are you doing? I, I, I wasn't talking to you. For, <laughs> I was talking to the hand, and eventually you get that sorted out, and it feels like some kind of triumph. It's like it's. Yeah. I imagine it's a lot like. Imagine it's a lot like working out, like like learning technical skills, like like doing jujitsu or something, because it's a really physical really seriously physical activity and you you have to gain some kind of mastery over your own body that you didn't have before so there's a real feeling of accomplishment when you can just achieve basic things that you couldn't do before i imagine it's like someone learning to do a handstand for the first time you know it's like yeah. wow look at this i can i can do a handstand so that's yeah. like a real workout drumming is like a real workout right? yeah it is you're working on your it, core all the time because you're lifting your legs lifting your legs yeah like yeah this. yeah 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 no it is but also it's um sometimes um particularly when it's warm the amount of water i have to drink um <laughs> just just when i'm it is like a proper it is like a proper workout and you've been i've been seeing with some of the the drummers i now understand why they're built like they are skinny um, like, with strong well, core well it depends it depends which one you're talking about i mean my my favorite rock drummer is um is Danny Carey from Tool and he's yeah. like six he's like six foot eight or something and he's he's a monster and he's you know powerful hits the drums incredibly hard and then there's another guy I was looking at recently Matt Gasker who's also an amazing amazing drummer and he's much smaller but he looks like a wrestler um and it occurs to me looking at these guys these incredibly powerfully built guys they've probably never been to the gym in their lives. Uh, they just play drums because shoulders some of the, are big, right? Oh, Matt Gasker, he really, if you put him in a wrestling outfit, right, and you put him next to the, um, you know, in, in some Olympic wrestling team, he would look right at home. He's a gorilla. Yeah. yeah. But he, I, he's probably never been to the gym in his life. He, I could be wrong. Maybe he does. Maybe he works out as well. But yeah. I think some of these guys, when when you see how technically good he is, you think, man, he's got to be practicing eight, nine hours a day to get that good. Um, if you play drums for eight, nine hours a day, you will end up looking like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think you'll have any time for gym. No, yeah, I would imagine. No. What no, kind of music yeah. did you grow up listening to, by the way? like My dad is a jazz musician. He's a very good amateur jazz musician. So I grew up hearing trumpet and clarinet and all of the you know the great um jazz guys like louis armstrong and benny goodman and mm -hmm. stan getz and these kinds of people um so for me music is something with instruments i never never been all that interested in singers Walkers. everyone's everyone's obsessed with singers man it's all it's all, um, you know, American Idol and this singer and that singer and, oh, my God, look at what she's wearing. And I, I just couldn't give a damn. Um, to me, music is a the thing I love about music is that this <clears throat> it's a technical thing, but it's also, you know, it's an artistic expression. It's and, and if you don't get that with, 
with most modern music today. The thing I fell in love with was rock music because rock music had the the technical expression of jazz music, yeah. but it's you know it's it's more it's more powerful. It just appeals to me more. Mm. So, what were your influences like rock music? Well, in the nine influenced you in the nineties, especially. Um, well, all the all the nineties Seattle sound grunge stuff, which they call it grunge. I don't think of it as grunge. It's just rock and roll, man. It's and just it's, music. Yeah, it's Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots uh, and yeah, and yeah. Nirvana and, yeah, yeah. and 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 all of these these guys, um, Smashing Pumpkins, Tool, as like I said, Danny Carey, um, still playing today. That was the last concert I ever went to. It was in Melbourne. That was just before just before COVID. Um, COVID was just breaking out, but it hadn't. Um, we hadn't gotten into lockdown stuff yet. That's the best concert I've ever been to in my life. They're unbelievable. And eighties, eighties, not not your yeah. favorite. Well, no, there's there's a lot of cool stuff there, but you know, it's pop. It's it's pop music. Um, there's there's some good there's some good stuff from the eighties. 80s was the last time I think that pop music was actually good. Really? Because, oh, that I mean, look, Elton John, Madonna, Michael Jackson, uh, Phil Collins, uh, the Eurythmics, all of these people, you know, they're 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 great songwriters. Yeah. They write really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, and and there was actually individual creativity back then in a way that there's just not now. People today. They they think they're listening to something creative. They're not. It was written by something else. It was written by it was by someone else, yeah. and they think, oh well, at least they're actually singing it. No, they're not. Get on YouTube and look up auto tune, auto tune, auto tune. Oh yeah. The, te- technically, the um what they can do and they can do it live. Uh, it's does not just post production. You can be up there singing and you're singing into a microphone. You can be literally entire notes off. You could be the most dreadful singer in the world, and what comes out the other end sounds perfect. It sounds absolutely note perfect. The whole thing is just a fraud. It's, I saw it's, a documentary on Netflix about uh, this is this is how the music is made, hmm. and one of the one of the uh, episode was about auto tune, hmm. and the second episode was one of the episode was also about the music making factory. Which is in mm. somewhere in Sweden, where mm. they were, where they were responsible for writing all the lyrics of yeah. all the big bands. Like uh, mm. even ABBA is there, Black Backstreet Boys are there, and like like you know all these bands who we mm. thought that you know the music is American and everything is actually coming from Scandinavia. <laughs> they are the one who are writing the lyrics, you know, yeah. and they're like. And lyrics have no sense, but they said it rhymes really well. Yeah. So they're just gonna put it right there. <laughs> yeah, I imagine some of them probably <clears throat> would farm out, would farm out their lyrics. But I, I haven't been paying very much attention to lyrics because, yeah. like I said, I, I don't, I don't care what the singer is saying. I care what the guitar solo is going to be like. Yeah. But, but these days, there's not even any guitar solos in. Audio Slave was big. Yeah, yeah. But Audio what Slave I'm... is actually from. Uh, was the audio, or, or audio, audio, yeah, audio slave. That's that was Chris Cornell with um with yes. um from Sound Soundgarden. 
And Soundgarden's Soundgarden, one, Soundgarden's one of my all-time favorite rock bands. I'm actually learning to play um, Black Hole Sun on oh, the drums that's a beautiful at the moment. Song. It's that's a great, really beautiful song. Lots and lots of drum, complicated drum fills. It's it's, um, it's pretty good fun. Yeah, but from my nineties. Yeah. Any pop? Yeah. Pop artists from nineties? No, no pop. No pop artists. I don't don't listen to pop. Every now and then, one of them will produce an earworm that I just can't resist. It's just, it happens. Earworm. <laughs> and I'm always I'm always annoyed at myself when it happens too. <laughs> so what am I? What have I was repeating this rubbish in my head for? Yeah. Which one is the latest one? I don't know. Probably the latest one. I think there was something from Taylor Swift that I that I thought, hey, that's that's actually really good. But you know, <laughs> was it a different? I can't remember. Uh, but the the difference is, I always get over it like within a couple of days. The yeah. stuff, the music I really like, I'm still listening to like years later. But yeah. this other, the pop stuff, it, it's a sugar rush. You know, yeah. tastes good for like for like two yeah. minutes and then yeah. it's gone. It doesn't um, change that, though. No, it's all the same stuff recycled. Yeah. The band, the band I'm really into at the moment, my favorite band of the last 10 years is a Japanese band called Bandmade. Band and band bandmade. They're all they're all female, all women. Okay. And they all write their own stuff. Um, well, actually, all of their stuff is written by the by the guitarist, Konami. Okay. And they are the most talented rock musicians. I think probably the most talented collection of rock musicians I've seen in a band pretty much ever. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they, they came through Japanese music schools and things, and you know the Japanese work ethic, man. They all, like, practice eight hours a day, you know, for, for most of their lives, and they're just ridiculously good. It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and they, they write. They're, they're very, very lucky that they have a, their guitarist writes all their songs, um, and she's a genius because she just churns out huge numbers of guitar riffs. Um, so if you're looking for music with guitar riffs and complicated stuff, check out mostly their live stuff. I don't like their studio recordings all that much because it yeah. it, it, it sounds it, it, you can't you can't you can't clear you can't hear the individual instruments clearly enough. But they're better live than they are um, than they are in the studio. And there, yeah, that's it's been great because it's been so long since I've had a favorite rock band that's actually playing mm. today. But they're my favorite rock band at the moment. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Okay, I'll give it a try. I've been longing. Mm. I've been longing. I'll send you some stuff. Something new. I'll send you some stuff, man. I'll send you. I'll send you links to like a couple of their live concerts and live stuff because it's it's really really cool. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. I think from 80s and 90s, and I kind of, you know, agree with what you just said. We keep going back to the same music because there is nothing new, which is good now, right? Mm. And same goes for me. I just keep going back to the same music. I mean, there was an era where I started listening to, let's say, Megadeth and, and you know, started yeah. at Megadeth and then Metallica. And for me, music is... Uh, very free, free, flexible place where I can listen to almost any genre that I like. Mm. And if the music is good, if there's the feeling which is good with it, I don't care if the, if I'm listening to punk rock or if I'm listening to grunge rock. I have few favorite punk bands, punk rock bands, mm. like Sum 41 and all these. I listen to their music and I get goosebumps. At the same time, when I listen to Metallica, I get goosebumps. 
and mm. if i listen to love ballads from uh, from 80s you know and uh, which is like firehouse and <laughs> like really cringy songs and mm. uh, and then recent years i started listening to M- muse if you have oh, yeah. heard of them yeah i know muse yeah they got some good stuff they got some, some good really stuff. good stuff like super messy mm. and everything like beautiful songs Mm. and then when i started listening to recently you know there were some new new rock bands which is like uh uh should i i'm forgetting the name of the band but there were some really nice new bands mm-hmm. and then i was like okay but i keep going back to that and i keep going back to the albums and thinking what song can i pick for the class from the same old el- album which was 10 years old right mm. because yeah. Now if you listen to pop music as you said it's a sugar rush maybe I'll yeah. listen one song in the class and then next time I don't want to hear that song. Yeah. Well the problem is like you say like <clears throat> we're saying is that it's it's all controlled by an industry that don't care about the quality so long as the 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 so long as the volume keeps being churned out. Exactly. The the only incentive they've got is to please the maximum number of people. Um yeah. and so and and the, it's all mostly they're just appealing to like 15 to 25 year olds anyway so in the, the number of 15 to 25 year olds recycles itself every 10 years so yeah you're constantly getting this new bunch of people coming forward who don't realize that this is the spin the same shit <clears throat> for the last for the last 30 years they weren't here True. for the last 30 they just got here it sounds yeah. new to them uh, yeah. and so you can just you can just keep this up indefinitely and it never gets better unless people actually go out and search for individual creative stuff which doesn't get um which doesn't get airplay it doesn't get seen yeah, like um, indie rock mm, but there's like still that. people out there doing that the japanese rock music scene is terrific it's not just bandmade there's a bunch of others i don't like anyone else as much as bandmade but there's still plenty of others out there who write their own stuff and are doing creative <clears> things um there's lots of instrumental rock this is the stuff i listen to when i'm writing because i um because i can't listen to anything with lyrics not even in japanese apparently because it it activates the speech part of my brain which interferes with what i'm writing on the keyboard so but with anything that's just instrumental i can i can listen to and there's all kinds of of great instrumental rock and roll around at the moment um animals as leaders Yeah. in in America that's the drummer Matt Gasco I mentioned him before he plays for them um that's Tosin Abasi is the lead guitarist there he's um like one of the best rock guitarists in the world if not the best um so they don't have a vocalist no vocalists so oh, you get rid music. of get rid of the singer and it's all just about the instrumentation it's all just guitars and drums and bass and it's amazing share that really, with really, me bro I'm yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I'll share it. I'll share it with you. But you that sounds you got, really good. You've got to go looking for it. We got <clears throat> we got a guitarist in Australia called Pliny, um, who is really really nice. He's not so complex heavy rock, but more melodic instrumental stuff. He's really good. Um, got another guy. I've forgotten his name, but he goes by the name um, I Built the Sky. um he writes amazing stuff as well so there's you know there's lots of stuff out there if you look for it okay i actually need something like that for running because yeah 
as you said when i run and sometimes when i'm practicing running say a half marathon or something like this and i'm running really mm. slow and if i listen to lyrics then your mind kind of starts going along with the lyrics right and mm. then you lose the focus but i know what you mean if you just listening to the music and that kind of binds you through that process of doing mm. you you get into that stage of inertia where yeah. you want to break out and with lyrics and chorus and everything and you know pre chorus and post chorus and the music goes up and down then you kind of break out in and out of it which is yeah. okay but when you yeah. want to do something for uh, you know standardized longer hours it yeah, has yeah, yeah. to be no one talking it needs to be yeah. just pure music well when you're hearing someone talking it activates the speech part of your brain which is a very sort of specific focused thing and and it 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 it's a short attention span kind of thing you need to be very focused on that which means it it becomes completely distracting from whatever else you're doing like it's very very i thought i think this is why it's very dangerous to be speaking while you're driving yeah like, speak, yeah speaking on the phone while you're driving because yeah. you activate the speech part of your brain you're not paying attention to what you're doing it's very hard to do those two things at the same time i yeah. think and to do them to do them well um but music in the background music in the background just becomes a mood and some of the best writing i've ever done is where i will just have some background stuff on and i can feel it's almost like my brain waves just completely change and you know i'll, I'll almost like wake up sort of 3 hours later and go wow where am i you know really? that kind of that kind of thing yeah it's writing can be writing can be awesome like that because when you have a really good session it's escapist in the same way as if you're reading a book or watching a movie except that i'm actually creating the world instead of just experiencing it passively so it can be really intense really intense sometimes and music is a huge part of that for me so i don't uh, someone once said that life without music would be a bad idea and i think i agree with them yeah tell that to the extremist in middle east <laughs> yeah but yeah who knows what's going through what's going through their heads no music no no culture no arts nothing yeah yeah so what what did you grow up listening to in india then because you i mean india is mostly well most bollywood. indian people hear bollywood and that's <laughs> it right? i hate which bollywood. is crazy because it's crazy because you've got so the the really good classical stuff in india the carnatic yeah. music the, yeah that's that's amazing stuff i love that stuff but that's not me i don't listen to it enough i know i know and that's the sad part it's also i don't know bro it's almost like you've been molded in such a way and i think i have been molded in such a way where i started listening to bollywood when i was in school or college mm. and there are some bollywood songs that i like there are still like but these are the old 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 songs okay Mm. but as soon as you start to realize that all of these songs are copies of some english songs and mm. they say i'm inspired by this english song then i'm like then what the fuck it's it's not your mm. work it's not your original work you are copying yeah. from other people right and yeah. that's a, that's a crash for me and uh, but i was lucky that one of my uncle he was part of a rock band uh, it's mm. called post mark I'll send you a video of their band. Okay. And uh, early 80s and they were doing this really crazy GNR style, 
you know long hair and just bang the head and then playing music and stuff yeah and that's how i, I was introduced to you know all these uh, all these bands there at that point of time mm. and then it just followed through because whenever i used to go to manipur mm. my family there and my friends there they don't like to listen to indian music because they think again that it's bollywood it's uh, all of this is very you know uh, business kind of music it's mm. not fun it's not you know different mm. so uh, yeah i i and i think i'm i've been quite lucky that i have a you know very diverse taste in the music even right now i listen to kpop sometimes you know if i need to find something i'm not like oh i'm not going to listen to kpop because you know it's coming from korea and stuff if they have something good that's all right yeah it's not it's not the k that bothers me it's the pop is <laughs> the <laughs> i'd i'd love to hear great korean music but it's it's the pop part that i that, that turns me off yeah I think the biggest influence on me in terms of music is actually Iron Maiden. Yeah, really. I love it. When I run, okay. I listen to Iron Maiden. When I'm driving, I can listen to it. When I'm meditating, I mean anything, Iron Maiden for me, most of their songs, I love it. And my yeah. favorite is Run to the Hills. Okay. Have you heard that one? I'm sure I have. I'm not run as big to the hills and then drum go it's so good. so good. you'd like you'd like the drums man you you you'd be you'd be into drumming i can see it yeah <laughs> it's funny with the northeast though the northeast has um some good rock has a good rock scene i remember is it manipur mm-hmm. or there's um a big there's a big rock festival is it imphal imphal uh, in shillong i remember yeah that's in shillong and okay. then okay a- oh yeah shillong of shillong. course I I I've don't remember the name it. of the rock scene but it's it's quite big and they they invite yeah. bands from all over India to kind of go there and play. Yeah, well there's a lot of international acts there as well. I've seen stuff on YouTube of some of my favorite some yeah. of my favorite Fire acts. House was there. there. Yeah. And for me that was a big thing. I was like, man. Who did I see there? Oh, I saw Guthrie Govan was playing there. Guthrie Govan, he's the other potentially the best guitarist in the world along with Tosin Abasi he's ridiculously good he usually yeah. plays in a band called the Aristocrats it's another um instrumental but they're another instrumental band no singer <clears throat> so it's, it's just him and um the drummer there Marco Miniman is also ridiculously talented as well um but yeah no they I saw them there's some youtube clip of them playing at I'm pretty sure it was Shillong as mm. well and all the crowd were like they really into it they they really knew his his of stuff his knowledge well yeah there's that <laughs> that to <laughs> that to there's a bit of bit of smoking things going around yeah. i'm sure yeah. yeah that helps there's a bit of a bit of that growing in the hills up around shillong oh, I, yeah. i gather yeah yes. that's that's the best part in in the lap of mother nature you get <laughs> <laughs> okay bro it's another one of these Another one of these things that's technically illegal in India but but Some not really parts. but not really Some parts nobody checks actually Yeah I, if they want to what, check what's then what's they can what's check. the what's the law what's the law if nobody enforces it Yeah but then it's kind of ironic that in times like some festivals everyone is taking it and they're taking mm. it openly mm. around Mahashivratri and there are some Indian festivals where you know mm. they they just take weed openly 
Every- yeah, well, it's a part of it's a part of the religion for some of them. Yeah, with the sadhus. Exactly. Hmm. But if you and me, we take it and then we are like kind of open about it. What if we'll get? What if trouble. we just? What if we just claim that we're a sadhu and it's part of our religion, man? Right. So don't, we don't look like. Don't, don't step on my vibe, man. I'm actually a sadhu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of flexible. They, they are flexible about it. Some parts of India, they're okay. Some parts of India, they're not okay. It's it's like no see, no do. Like if yeah. I don't see you, then I won't do anything about it. And then it. some other parts of India, you can just slip the policeman a couple of hundred rupees and it goes away, true. I imagine. True. Yeah. And it still yeah. happens. And it should yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It should happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, they're going to make money, right? They, they don't make <laughs> enough money with government jobs. Wow. Wow, uh, you're defending, defending police corruption in India. This is interesting. <laughs> Bro, interesting I wanted term. to ask you, who yeah. does the artwork? Because I saw uh, the artwork of your uh, novels. It's, hmm. it's pretty intense. It's who very intense. His name is Stéphane Martinier. He is uh, French. Yeah. Uh, he lived in America for quite a while. He did, but he's now recently moved back to France the last couple of, no, maybe it's, yeah, no, last last two years, I think. Um, he's very, very good. He's one of these concept artists who gets employed to work on big Hollywood movies and things because the director often says, you know, I want to get some idea, some feel for what it's going to look like. And so before, before you actually go to make the specific environment, if it's something like, I don't know, one of these Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy or something, they want to know what a spaceship will look like. They want to know what a planet will look like. They want some, some idea so that the artists who actually work on the thing have got a model to work off. Yeah. They, go to yeah. guys, they go to guys like Stefan and he comes up with all kinds of concepts. That's his main line of work. Um, doing that stuff. I think he also worked a lot on this, um, like, uh, rides in, in um, like, Disneyland-type rides and things. They did one in um, for Avatar, you know, yeah. the James, okay. Cameron, yeah. James Cameron movie. So designing these kinds of things to get an idea of what it looks like. He makes, I would guess, you know, probably 99% of his money from that. But he also mm. likes to work on book covers, um, not so much for the money because he doesn't need it, but the um, just because it shows a portfolio. So he, it's like this is what I can do. It gets him working on different kinds of things than he would otherwise get to do. And he was working on my covers when I was published by publisher in America before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew him. He was already a friend of mine. So when I switched to Amazon, I said, hey, would you like to keep doing my covers? And he said, fine. So I've still got him. And he's done all of my science fiction covers. I've never done a science fiction book in English language that he has that he has not done the cover for. Yeah, it's beautiful. Because I saw some of the covers and it kind of gives you an idea about what the story is about or mm. where is it going or what mm. world you're going to go into once you start reading. Mm. And that leads me to the next question. How do you keep up with the story? Like, is it in your head or do you take notes of the name, names of the characters and the uh, planets and ships and everything? But how do you? It's a combination. It? Of it's very intriguing it- for me. Well, it's a combination of both. Um, it just becomes a habit, you know. It's like if you do something for long enough, you just get you get good at it, 
and you get used to it. Um, but yeah, I I've I've got a whole collections of notes and things, but mostly I don't need to consult them all that much. No, um, no it's like it's it's like a musician. I imagine you know you just you don't really know where it comes from after a while if you've been doing it for long enough. Like what's uh-huh. what's that what's that thing they always say about ten thousand hours? Like in order to become uh, a real expert on uh, something, from Bruce you have to do Lee. Bruce Lee. Ten thousand. You have to do it for ten thousand hour. Ten thousand hours, um, and I think that's there's something to that. I would have done way more than ten thousand hours of writing by now. Way more. Um, after a while, it becomes hard to explain how you do things. Um, okay. I think it's one of the thing. It's one of the things in learning how to play the drums. You quickly realize I was talking to my drum teacher, who's a really, really good drummer, right? Um, how do you do this? How do you do this thing? How do you do that thing? And he kind of looks at his hands and says, um, I don't know. How do I do that? Because because he because he's, he's been doing it, he's been doing it for so long, he's forgotten how. And so it's one of the difficult things when you're learning to do a new skill, um, to find someone, an expert who can explain how they do it because an expert is often someone who doesn't know how to explain how they do it because it's just become so second nature they don't know yeah. any longer. They, they've forgotten. The one thing I know about playing the drums way more than any of these great drummers know, I know what it's like to suck at it. Yeah. They've forgotten. <laughs> they don't know what it's like to suck at playing the drums. That was so long in their past that they don't know what it's like to struggle. And so they'll tell you, oh, just do it this way, just do it this way. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I can't do it that way. It's, it's difficult. And I say, oh, come on, this isn't difficult. This is easy. I say, well, for you maybe. So, <laughs> you know, I guess maybe writing is the one area of expertise that I have at kind of that level where it becomes very difficult to explain how I do it. Um, you, you practice Every everything in the world, man. Everything in the world comes down to practice. You just got to practice. Mm. And <clears throat> any big news coming up with that? I remember you said that there is something big coming up. No, no, there's nothing. Some motion picture, something like that. No, 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 nothing like that. I wish there's always some possibility bubbling in the background, but there's nothing so well developed at the moment that I can announce anything and. Maybe never will. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking about starting a podcast at some point, which would be Do it. which would be interesting. Do yeah, it. go for it. Well, you could you could give me some tips on the sound mixing, particularly <laughs> me giving tips to you. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't been doing it, man. Let me just I, take. I a had trouble. One. I had trouble getting my microphone working this morning. Uh, let me just take a U-turn on this one. Yeah, keep practicing. Keep trying. <laughs> you know, I started yeah. podcasting because I had so much time in my hands. Yeah, and then I was like, "What am I going to do?" And sometimes, you know, you try to do some video blogging, and then you're trying to talk on the camera, and I'm not good with that. Or maybe mm. I don't want to change not being good with that. You know what I mm. mean? I like yeah. I like to suck in that thing. So I was like, okay, so what else can I do? Can I write? No, I cannot write. Sometimes I do write things, but I'm I'm not keen to write. But I'm keen to talk to people. And mm. one thing that I'm sharing with you right now is this. When I moved out of India and the circumstances that I had to move out, 
I was actually angry with a lot of people. Mm. Really angry with a lot of people. The way that I was asked to leave the job and everything, right? Yeah. So because of that, I stopped talking to a lot of people. But I think during this second lockdown, I started to realize that, listen, I need to open up a little bit more. I need to talk to people and I need to mm. reach out. Yeah. And that's also the one of the reasons why I started doing podcasts because for me, it's important to have that face-to-face communication rather than texting. Yeah. Because texting yeah. or being on a phone call where I don't see the person in front of me, yeah. uh, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, This works. This works. Yeah. When I'm seeing you, you know, and, you know, it's almost like that we are kind of playing through, you know, mm. and yeah. that's important for me. That's a real conversation. Yeah. And yeah, it just I happens agree. to be a podcast. So I'm kind of happy and I really don't care if people are listening. I don't care if nobody listens, but I do care if they listen and they say you're doing good. You're doing something mm. that he was supposed to do. And let's see. I don't care about the money right now. And uh, probably in future things will pick up. If it doesn't pick up, yeah, it's okay. I have I have my job, full time job. Yeah, happy. No, well, this is yeah. No, it's been really great to see you, man. Because we haven't yeah. seen each other in a in a long Thank time, you. and yeah. it's kind of it's yeah. It feels like kind of if we were just in Vietnam and sort of we had a so we had a drink and um, <laughs> some of that awesome Vietnamese foods. Then you know that's the only problem. We should probably arrange it if we do it again sometime. We should probably arrange for some like appropriate food and appropriate drinks, and we can just pretend we're at some cafe in Saigon somewhere. Maybe you add the noise. You had the noise of some scooters sort of in the background. <laughs> I just need to open the window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I yeah. I wanted to tell you that I bought a road bike recently last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what type? Uh, it's 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 not a high flyer. It's a company called. Does, uh, doesn't need to be. It's a Taiwanese company. I forgot the name. It's Trinix. 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 Okay. T-R-I-N-X. Yeah, I'm. I'm not familiar, but I imagine some some things are bigger in other countries, so maybe they're not so much here. Yeah, because I didn't want to spend a lot of money, and uh, I was buying. I was thinking of buying a bike from Giant, but then mm. I was like, listen, that's a lot of money, and this race is something that I want to see if I want to do it or not. So yeah. there is a duathlon. I mean, they. Uh, it's a running okay. and cycling event in December. Yeah. And yeah. if it's okay. not cancelled, it's on Christmas, twenty fifth. Right. So you haven't thought about you haven't thought about triathlon. I d- I can't swim, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, I can get in the water, but I I'm I cannot guarantee if I can get out. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a that's a slightly Indian <laughs> problem too. I think. Yeah, especially for someone from New Delhi. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of water around. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean they are organizing a triathlon as well, but mm. then I signed up for duathlon, which I think I can do it because I've been cycling almost every day, <clears throat> indoor cycling, not outdoors. Yeah. And uh, and it's a forty kilometer ride and fifteen kilometer running. Okay. Which is broken down like you run ten kilometer, then you cycle forty kilometers, then you finish five kilometers of running, which right. is okay. Well. Yeah, it makes sense that they would do the running leg first because otherwise they want to spread everyone out um, because what happens in cycling is you end up in a peloton. You end up sort of just going behind the person in front yeah. and then you have these group tactics and everyone gets more and more bunched up. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, yeah. So that's a different 
kind of cycling when you start riding in groups. I haven't yeah. done it all that much. No. But is it a whole different art to it? And it's yeah. so easy to get knocked off by crazy people who yeah. who aren't paying attention. And just a small angle from the sh- shoulder and elbow, and you're you're out on yeah. the road, right? Yeah. So, no, exactly. Uh, so I'm gonna start preparing. Actually, it's not a road bike; it's a hybrid bike with a flat handle, okay. because right. I wanted to keep it in a way where I can also ride around the city and not yeah. too much pressure on me. But I'm gonna buy an aero bar right now, so it's like a, a flat handle, and then I'm gonna yeah. buy an aero bar that kind of helps me to lean in a little bit more. Okay. But it doesn't need to be the bar of the road bike. Mm. So uh, next week I'm gonna buy an aero bar, then I'll start practicing. Okay. No, that'll be cool. I'd like to see how that goes. When you're going to get out early in the morning, I imagine, to go riding. Yeah, yeah. Like how early? Earlier five, than five thirty. Earlier than this. Yeah. Morning. Five yeah. five thirty in the morning. That's okay. Yeah. But the part of the city that I'm living in, I think you should really give it a visit. It's it's like a small village. This part okay. is like a small village. It's away from the main hustle bustle of Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. It's like a small village, two or three-story buildings, and mm. a lot of expats. Actually, this area has so many expats. It's called Thao Dien. So mm. 80%, 70% population is all expats from mm. different countries. So it's like a yeah. ni- nice neighborhood where you have cafes. I think you're going to love it. It's mm. very chilled out. Yeah. And it's yeah. a loop of five kilometers. So it's like a small island with five yeah. kilometer loop. So that's where we can cycle. Even in the night, it's okay. Okay. But if you go out of this place, then you get into Ho Chi Minh City and that's where it gets <laughs> crazy. And that's a madhouse. Yeah, yeah, that's a madhouse. No, you'd like it here, man. You'd like it in the hills. You'd like it where there's... Um, the biggest danger I have at the moment is um, magpies. Because we get... Sw- magpies, birds, Australian magpies, they, they swoop us in the spring really? and they're vicious. Yeah, they're vicious. They, they go for your head and they're, they're really... <laughs> They're quite scary. They're, they're quite legendary. You should look up on YouTube, watch um, Australian magpies, I mean, Australian magpies swooping or just magpies swooping. And it's, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny if it's not you. But what's their deal? They, it, it's, nesting, it's nesting season. It's oh, nesting they season. That you are and they get, territor- they get territorial. They, they swoop people. They swoop dogs. They swoop pedestrians. They love cyclists. They absolutely love cyclists. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they hate cyclists. That would be yeah. the, the thing. They're like hunting they, season. Yeah, oh, hunting season. Seasons. It's crazy. It's crazy at the moment. I've had to I've had to extend my ride by another sort of 15, 20 minutes and change course just to avoid the magpies really? on my route. Yeah. So how do they attack? Like they attack with their beaks or their their claws? They 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 swoop and they snap their wings just when they're close to you to make this snapping sound. It goes off right next to your ear, and if you don't hear them coming, it gives you the shock of your life. And sometimes the more aggressive ones, they use their beak and they go for your cheek. Sometimes your ear. Sometimes they draw blood. I've never had one draw blood on me. That's right. Um, Hmm? Yeah, that shouldn't, yeah. Uh, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, but they go just—they go just beneath the helmet. Sometimes they go for the—they go for the earlobe and things like that. Why? They um, have some good target skills. Then 
Yeah, no, they're, they're very, very skillful birds. It's annoying because they're such nice birds normally. They've got a beautiful song. <laughs> they're, they're, very, they're very, very smart. They've got lots of charisma and personality. People feed them. You know, they're, they're, really, they're really nice birds right up until this season where they turn into homicidal maniacs. But, <laughs> but not all of them, only about, only about 10% of them, sort, yeah. apparently. Yeah, it's what scientists say. You just never know which ones. But can you hunt them, like in Australia? No, they're protected. But the council, if one of them gets really <clears throat> aggressive, one of them is overdoing it, the council can come and remove it. Uh, um, I think they get a net and then I think they take them like somewhere like hundreds of kilometres away and release them there. Release them. Yeah, you're not allowed to kill them. They're protected birds. Oh, by the way, about killing, a couple mm. of years back when I heard that in Australia they killed all the camels. Mm. What's your take on that, bro? Camels, we've we've got we've got a bigger camel population here than Saudi Arabia, man. Really? Got, the camels got released here ages ago. The, the they used to in nineties, right? Not well, eighteen nineties, maybe. Um, probably no earlier than that. We had there's a railway line that goes from Adelaide <clears throat> to Darwin called the Garn. It's called the Garn because it's short for Afghan. Um, and what they did, the Afghan, they bought Afghan cameleers before mm. the railway lines used to come in and they, they bought, they imported them here. And they used to, um, I think they used to monitor the, the telegraph line that was laid across beforehand. And this is before the railway line arrived. Mm. Um, but as a part of that, um, there were camels left over for after they didn't need the cameleers any longer. Mm. Um, and so we've had a massive population of wild camels ever since. Mm. And they, the, the Saudis import our camels for racing. Really? Because they, our camels are better than their camels. They're so healthy here most of, of course, the time. They, they have, you know, desert, they have greenery yeah. and everything, and they're wild. Yeah. So. Except that sometimes you get, like, a really bad drought and even the camels can't survive. And so then they they start culling them, yeah, because they there are like boreholes um, that are created for the cattle and the cattle ranches, and the camels will swarm these boreholes so that the cattle can't have any water. And the camels are all dying anyway. They're dying of thirst. It's horrible to look at. So, you know, they figure that it's, um, that it's a mercy killing to 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 put them down but no we're in no danger of running out of camels in australia we've got more camels than we know what to do with so you still have camels in australia we have camels we have buffalo we have rabbits we have cats <clears throat> wild cats massive problems with wild cats with dogs we have pigs wild pigs are a terrible problem and like you name it mate we've we've overrun with feral animals top to bottom i think you need to have some big predators in in australia that's the thing we don't we don't that's why camels and everything like they they kind of overpopulate i mean one of the ways is to kind of you know kind of snip them snip snip yeah good luck good luck going around with a little (laughs) pair of scissors on the (laughs) wild camel population Uh, or just import some tigers (laughs) oh yeah that'll work That'll work well. Just leave I a couple could, of them, you know, in between camels and trips. Trips into the outback of Australia would be so much, ent- so much more entertaining if you have to worry about tigers, tigers, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. crocodile and tigers. So you can't. Get oh, we've got, we've got, 
So lots many of, crocodiles. We've got lots of Fox. crocodiles. It's, it's people people make out Australia is dangerous because of all the snakes and spiders. <clears throat> yeah. India yeah. India is India is the most dangerous place in the world for snakes. It is. You, you guys lose like thousands of people every year to snake bite. Yeah. We've got nothing like that by comparison. And we don't have any big predator animals. We don't have bears or tigers or there's nothing here that will eat you on the yeah. land. Yeah. In the water, it's a different story. Yeah. Um, there's rivers up north you do not swim because crocodiles. And not talking little alligators here, we're talking crocodiles. We're talking huge. like like the huge talking, ones. Talking like 20 feet, talking big, big animals. Um, and then you can't sharks are a bit of a deal. Um sharks towards the south, right? South yeah, southwest, no, southeast. Oh, pretty much anywhere around the coasts. There's always but you know they're not. They get a lot of media attention, but there's not really much in terms of actual danger. It's not that bad. The real one up north is um, box jellyfish. Um, oh, yeah, box jellyfish and irukandji. They're about the most dangerous, um, about the most dangerous, most poisonous animals in the water in the world. You just you just don't swim up north. Really? You go. You go to these resorts, you go to places up in Darwin around um, Port Douglas in Queensland, uh-huh. um, and there's just you do not swim because they've you can't use the beach because if you get in the water, you'll die, basically. Wow. That's dangerous. That's yeah. really dangerous. Yeah. But that also makes the life exciting. If well, no, wants because to get drunk and get in the water and bet hundred dollars. It's not that exciting. <laughs> they had a thing where there were a couple. There were some French tourists. I think they were out on a boat on the Great Barrier Reef and they were yeah. snorkeling, and yeah. and one of them died, and then another one of them died right alongside them, and they thought, oh, they both. Had, what are the odds that they both had heart attacks? Like just snorkeling on the water, both at the same time. They're, they're a bit elderly, but not seriously elderly. And I don't think they found any marks. I don't think the autopsies were conclusive, but mm. they reckon it must have been. They're supposed to be safe that far off the coast because I think the jellyfish at that time of the year are mostly in the mangroves and near the near the coast. Mm. But sometimes they drift out. Sometimes they drift out, and you know, obviously they got stung and they were dead before they could raise the alarm. Wow. Wow. That's that's something. Yeah. That's really something. Yeah. Anyways, what's your plan for the rest of the day? I am going to go cycling since it's a lovely day outside. <laughs> and then I might play the drums and then I'll see. Okay. I'll get some okay. work done maybe. It's almost two hours and 24 minutes for us. Yeah. Wow. We spoke that long. Yeah. But that's you're a smart you're a smart guy, Ricky. You've actually got things to say, man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> for for a gym instructor. <laughs> for a gym instructor. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> See? For a second I was like, oh, he's being such a nice guy, and then you're like, <laughs> I was I was holding I was holding it back. I was holding yeah, it back. But then you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. No, I mean. No, but this, 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 is the re- this is the reason we always get along now, because you'd you, yeah. you, 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 you do well in any job using your brain, man. If you ever want to switch jobs where you're using your brain instead of your body, you do fine, man. Really? Thank you so yep. much. I mean, I take that as a compliment. 
Right now, when you were saying about living in the, you know, with the jungle and trees and everything, mountains, I was thinking, okay, where do I see myself from 10 years from now or 15 years from now? And I think even up up until 10 years, like I'm, let's say 46, 47 years, I still want to work in the gym because I enjoy what I do. Like yeah. there is, there are no two ways about it. I enjoy mm. it. Yeah. And maybe the money is not the best in the world, but you know, it, it's a good balance of money yeah. and happiness. It, it's a really good balance. And I, mm. and I have no complaints because of this, I was able to move out of India. Mm. And that's something that I really wanted. I just yeah. wanted to get out for a bit and just see the world, you know, to move around the mm. world. So, which is good. But I think mm. after that, I was thinking, what else can I do? And uh, I mean, as thanks to you, I mean, and some of my really good friends who always, you know, say what needs to be said. And I think I'll be okay. I'll do something else, but I don't know what I'm going to do, but maybe podcasting, think, maybe something with this. I, I don't know. I think, okay. you'll do, I think you'll do fine, Ricky. I think you'll do fine. Whatever you choose to do. I mean, you've got, the one thing you've got too is a work ethic. Right? And I'm not, I'm, like we said about India, it's not like India is without work ethic. It depends where you look. There's yeah. plenty of people with incredible work ethics and then there's some without. You're one of the ones who's got a serious work ethic. So um, you think you'll do fine at whatever you set yourself to because it's just a matter of putting in the hours and putting in the time and putting in the practice. And you've got that. No one needs to teach you how to do that. So for a lot of people, that's just the hardest lesson. Um, you're also not scared of taking risks, um, which is some people, they just get comfortable with what they're doing and they never take a risk. Um, you know, if I'd... If I had decided to stay with traditional publishing and never moved yeah. into independent publishing, I wouldn't be making the money I'm doing now. Um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't yeah. wouldn't be able to own my own own my own place or you know do any of this stuff. So, so sometimes you just gotta you've just gotta bite the bullet and take a chance. Yeah. Hey, by the way, congratulations on owning your own place. I remember when we were in Thailand, you said that you were refurnishing it and. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not in it. At, I'm not in it at the moment. It's in Melbourne, so uh, it's it's now turned into an investment, and I'm saving up for something else. Really? So, yeah. So we're 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 making progress on that. Okay. Okay. But we should catch up again, maybe in a couple of months or something like this, when we have something more to talk about. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's, well, uh, I want to hear. I want to hear how your um, how your foray into road cycling goes. All right. So then, probably after that race, I'll give you a call. Uh, I'll catch up with you, and I'll ask if you are free after Christmas, and then after Christmas, yeah, should be should should be free at some point around then. Yeah, and uh, if you happen to start your own podcast, then we'll also do something that. Absolutely. That that will be nice. Absolutely, man. Okay. Yeah. No, gets me thinking. Gets me yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So you have okay. a nice day, bro. Enjoy your cycling. You too, and Ricky. It's great I'm to great gonna, to hear from you again. I'm just gonna start washing the clothes now. <laughs> get, get back to the mundane realities yeah. of life. You yeah. feed the cats as well. Don't forget to feed the cats. Yeah, I'll do it right now. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. Okay. See you. See you.